0: Welcome to Ask the Expert with noted radio host Steve Sleeper. Each week Steve interviews entrepreneurs and professionals and shares their intriguing stories of success and service. Now, here's radio veteran Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is Monique Velarde from the law office of Monique Velarde Reyes in El Paso, Texas. Monique is on your side fighting criminal charges or making a plan for your family's future. Attorney Velarde understands the need for open communication and is available anytime. I began the interview by asking Monique about herself and her firm.
1: My name is Monique Velarde. I've been an attorney now for, gosh, I'd say almost 13 years, or a little over 13 years at this point. I didn't actually start as an attorney. I started as a teacher I was a middle school teacher, and I became an attorney on a bet with my middle school students. We had a career day one time, and I had all of the professions listed on a wall. And I was telling my students, you know, you could do anything you want to. You just have to put your mind to it. And they didn't believe me. So I told them, you know, if I want to change careers right now, I can. I turned around. I picked attorney because it was on the top of the list. Had I picked doctor, I'd probably still be in school. But uh, I told them if I want to change, I can. And they didn't believe me, so we made a bet. And I told them I would go to law school, become a lawyer, and they all had to graduate from high school. And lo and behold, I got into law school. End of the year, I told them I was leaving, and they surprised, upset that I was leaving. But at the end of the four years, three years and plus a little bit, they ended up graduating from high school, and I went to their graduation as a lawyer. So I didn't really have any desire at that time to be a lawyer. And once I did, I realized, well, shoot, I got to do something. So I went into criminal law. I love criminal law. It's very, it's always very interesting, especially for myself as a people person. Like I said, starting off as a teacher, I find that I still teach in a matter of speaking as a a lawyer, uh, helping people with their problems, trying to get along you know, through their, through life. So I handle everything from traffic citations all the way to felonies in the state court.
0: What should I expect from a good criminal defense lawyer?
1: Communication. As attorneys, we all go to law school. We all know the law. We, well, we should, you know, we all took the bar, we all passed, but what differentiates all of us is our ability to connect with our clients most of the time, obviously, this is the worst time in a person's life. This is this is their absolute low. And they're looking and reaching out to someone who's going to be able to help them. And not just help them through their legal matters, but through explaining what, what's going to happen, you know, what to expect. A lot of my clients just want to be heard. So a good criminal defense lawyer will have that communication with their client, you know, obviously we can't be there 24 7, but we're definitely available when, you know, those midnight questions come up the next day or the day after to be able to answer those questions. And I think that's what really sets apart a regular lawyer from a really good criminal defense attorney.
0: So, what happens after a person is arrested?
1: A couple of things can happen. So, after the arrest, and I have to remind people an arrest just means that there was enough information there for that arrest. Doesn't mean that anybody's guilty, it doesn't mean that they're already convicted, and it doesn't take much to get arrested. Reasonable suspicion is not a high bar to reach. And so, after the arrest, there should be a bond hearing that's set unless there's already a bond amount. If they pay for the bond, they'll get out. If they go through a bondsman, then they can pay that person a percentage and then they still get out. Or if for some reason the bond is too high, then one of the things as an attorney that we do is we have bond hearings to try to reduce those bonds to get people obviously to be out of jail, especially during these times, in order to be able to fight the case better. After they're released, Then, unfortunately, comes the hardest part of all of this, which is waiting. Patience is key with criminal cases because sometimes they don't come up for some weeks, some months even, and unfortunately, in some cases, even years, but... After a while, then we we get into court. If it's a misdemeanor, then it's just a complaint that gets filed in court. If it's a felony, then we wait for an indictment, either from the grand jury, or if they've already had that going on, then then it, it would already be in court.
0: What's the difference between a felony and a misdemeanor?
1: So misdemeanors are here in El Paso or in Texas, anyway. You have A, B, and C, um, Class C misdemeanor is a traffic citation. So anytime anyone gets stopped for a ticket, that's actually a misdemeanor. But that was a class C misdemeanor has no jail time attached. That's only that's a fine only type of offense. Class A's and B's are anywhere from DWIs to assaults to um, to some thefts, and those are the highest. Which is a class A is punishable up to a year in jail and or a four thousand dollar fine. With felonies, however, those are the more serious offenses, obviously, or the repeat offenses, even theft. If, if you already have one or two thefts, you know, under your belt and you've been convicted for them, even stealing something as small as a razor can get you a felony. And now we're looking at a lot more time. It can be anywhere from state jail, which is a day-for-day offense, which means if you were to get 10 days of jail, you have to do the full 10 days or it... Most of the time it's either 30, 60, or 90 days up to the first-degree felonies and the serious death penalty type cases. So it's a lot of it is time. With a felony, it can be as low as six months to, to a year um, and go as high as 10 years to, to life type sentences.
0: Let's talk about DWIs. Do do you see a lot of mistakes made by arresting officers? Uh, What happens there?
1: So these are kind of interesting. The new officers are the ones who stumble the most. There are some mistakes made, usually with regards to the stop. If it's a right stop, a valid stop speeding. If it's actually a traffic violation, sometimes they're not. Here in El Paso, we have a no-refusal policy by the district attorney, which means when people are asked about giving a breath sample, if they refuse, then they automatically get a blood sample. And a warrant has to be given for those. The officers are fairly well trained with regards to that, but the differences and the nuances come in with, you know, well, how well did they do field sobriety tests, which are these series of acrobatic, you know, tests that need to be done on the side of a road and as well as to make sure that the testing is done correctly you know intoxilizers are machines they do break they're not always perfect the blood tests there there are always you know issues to look at sometimes and it doesn't happen anymore not like in the very beginning but you know you don't want to use an alcohol pad to t- to get blood because you're contaminating your sample, uh, making sure the person who is taking the sample is, is a licensed individual who, who knows how to take blood, who can do it correctly. So there's there have been mistakes made. They've gotten better, but there's always, there's always a rookie out there that you can find <laughs> making a wrong move or, or getting a little overly excited about trying to make an arrest.
0: Are there a lot of plea bargains in the system?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the the word plea bargain elicits kind of a, an image of, oh, my gosh, they had to take these deals. And that's not always the case. Plea bargains often... Can result in a dismissal of some sort. You know, perhaps it's an anger management class for dismissal. Perhaps it's an, a drug alcohol class for dismissal, depending on the case. So sometimes that's that that's the the outcome. Clients will look at plea bargains and and decide whether or not they want to take an offer based on the evidence that's provided. I tell my clients any trial. I don't care how great the evidence looks. I don't care how wonderful it is in our favor, it's always 50-50 because we're also dealing with a jury. We're dealing with six to twelve people who don't know us, who don't know the situation, and we have to rely on their their insights and how, you know, how much attention they paid in trial to make a decision on, you know, my client's life. So sometimes these plea bargains turn out to be a better offer for them. They people don't want to go through all of that. Or like I said, sometimes the evidence is so overwhelming that they, they want just what the best deal is possible that they can get.
0: Okay, here's a scenario. Let's say I get arrested for first-time DUI. Mm-hmm. And I just want to own up to it. I'm guilty. Uh, to, yeah, I want to plead guilty. I want to move on with my life. Do do I still need a lawyer in, in that instance?
1: Technically, no. But realistically, it's good to have one. If you're even if somebody is just going to plead guilty, first time offense is actually a, a really good example of that. You go to trial or you go to court and you and a person, a pro se defendant, which is somebody who doesn't have an attorney, can talk to their to the to the state, to the prosecutor and say, look, I want to plead guilty. Well, they can get a max type of plea offer, which is usually anywhere from 12 to 24 months of probation up to a $2,000 fine, um, community service hours, probation hours. And if somebody who does not know what is going on or um, who does not know what's happening Takes this, then they don't know that they could get something better, like a first time offender program. A first time offender program is six months, two classes, you pay a fee and the case gets dismissed. Or a non disclosure, um, a deferred type of probation where you do probation for a year, you have an interlock in your vehicle. You get, you know, you complete everything, you get the case dismissed, and after a certain amount of time, after two years, you can actually apply to get a nondisclosure, which means it hides the, the offense from people. It's not an expunction, but it serves the same effect. If an expunction is an eraser, a nondisclosure is basically uh, a band-aid that, that hides it from people. So there's certain things that an attorney can do that can advise an, a client that might be a better offer than if the client just or the defendant just walked in on his own.
0: As we do this interview, we're about five months into the COVID nineteen pandemic. I'm sure you're open right now, but how are you handling things? Are the courts open? What's the uh, what's all the procedures in El Paso at this time? <laughs>
1: So I've never closed. I was blessed to, before this even started, we were moving towards a computer-based system, not, you know, paperless kind of system. And so it was very easy for my office to make the transition to doing a lot of um, Zoom type of hearings, phone appointments. We were very lucky in that sense. As far as the courts go, the courts have been a little crazy, (laughs) So in fact, just today, we just got new orders from the Supreme Court of Texas talking about when trials can start again, and it looks like they pushed it out till October, until after October 1st. So for somebody who's out on bond or out on bail, it's not as big of a deal as somebody who maybe is incarcerated and who's waiting for that jury trial. Those are the people who are affected more. I know that the courts are trying to uh, get together and see, they want to make sure to keep everybody safe and sound. In fact, just recently, um, they they said that they're starting some of the grand juries again. And, you know, they're taking precautions to, to protect everybody's safety. But I'm not sure until that first grand jury gets convened, I'm not sure who's going to actually come in for a jury. Uh, their jury summons where all all the attorneys are kind of watching with bated breath to see what happens. As far as hearings go every day, we still have hearings. I, In fact, today I had a hearing this morning. They're carrying them on through Zoom. So we do have hearings. There are still plea deals being done. We're still able to do that. Some remotely with some conditions, as far as people going to a place to be able to sign paperwork, the the courts are working. They they never completely close. It's just they're having to rethink how they approach it and do it in a way that still protects people's rights, still protects their their liberties, and also with the understanding that you know these things have to be made public. So there's a lot of use of YouTube and. And like I said, in Zoom, in order to make sure that people can see their hearings.
0: Our thanks to attorney Monique Velarde. She can be reached at 915-412-6818. Thanks for listening to Ask the Expert with Steve Sleeper. Join us next time as entrepreneurs and professionals share their intriguing stories of success and service.